this one's a, kind of exciting. This, this is a walk through, an adventure through the book of Acts. And I'm going a little slower at the beginning because there's a lot taking place. But then I'm going to do a little more. The, the stepping stones are going to get wider apart. But uh, when we get there, we get there. But today, this is going to be fun. Watch this. We're going to remind us of what just happened with communion. The character of God is to invite Judas to dinner, serve him the food, and treat him as a friend, knowing he will betray you. I posted this last night on Facebook. And this is about the character of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the one who is the one who leads the church, capital C, the church. Not the buildings, not the denominations. They aren't the church. No denominations, no physical locations. You and I are the church. That's really important to remember. We can get that mixed up sometimes when we're too committed to a facility. But this was a powerful picture to me of a grace I want to see matured in me. Because sometimes I think there are people I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Anybody have that person in their mind? <laughs> no hands up, please. That's crazy. But the Great Awakening, here's what's happened so far. Uh, Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem until the gift comes, which is what we're going to talk about today. The ascension happened. He went whoop up in the clouds. We talked about the clouds. That was fun. Um, Matthias replaces Judas. We really covered that in about four seconds at the end of last Sunday. And then today, we're going to talk about the birth of the church. The big deal. And I love this next part. We're going to kind of walk through this. Walk through this. And, and that was, do you see that? That was pretty cool, eh? Uh, we're going to walk through this and, and see some key things that have happened. So let's, let's read through the book of Acts, not the whole book, but this section right now. On the day of Pentecost, uh, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Uh, there were approximately 120. That's what we have been led to believe. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. How many have ever been in a tornado? You've felt and heard? Did you hear the horrific sound? I've not heard it. I've only heard from people. Have you ever been in a windstorm where it's just howling and it's almost scary? It's like, oh my goodness, I'm glad I'm inside. Yeah. Well, we were camping one year on an Inver uh, uh, Huron campground on Lake Huron. And uh, we had this wonderful tent set up. Tent, never again. Anyway, <laughs> there happened to be a brutal thunderstorm come through. And I tell you, no sleep that night. This, this tent was shaking. Noah was, he, Noah kind of shone like a rescue hero for some reason. Usually he's kind of quiet, but man, he got into defense mode holding those poles together because we were being like, it was a, a 10 person, 12 person tent. It was huge, two rooms. And we're holding this thing. And the wind is pushing, lightning is crashing. Oh no, what, how do we keep the water out? It was, it was bad. Eventually we had to go into the van. You know, because it was that bad, and oh, hated it. It was scary. I was scared for my family. I wonder what this would have been. Like, like something they couldn't understand. And the, the really cool part is, um, we're going to find out in a minute, other people came to see. So this wind came rushing in. 
the Aramaic translation can also be translated like the roar of a groaning spirit. This mighty wind was for power. In John 20, 22, it was for life. When John, in John 20, 22, Jesus said, then taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There's two things going on here. This is kind of cool. Listen, I don't understand this whole filling of the Holy Spirit very well. I've been told too many layers and categories of, of opinion. I've experienced my own. It's real, period. Do I understand it? No. Wish I understood more, but God hasn't given me that yet. I have my level of understanding that I need for now, not for later. Funny how that works. The Greek word here does not appear anywhere else in the New Testament. However, it's the same word found in the Septuagint for God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. That's from John 20, 22. He breathed life into them. But here, this comes, this was for power. Something was about to happen. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Can you imagine what's going on in the room? Just imagine now. Think of a really funky movie with crazy effects. Like, everybody's either afraid, shaking, wondering, because everybody can hear it. Nobody can deny this is going on. Then, all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes, and it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed or rested over them each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. This was a funky day, a day they'll never forget. This pillar of fire, I, uh, <laughs> I love this cool little tidbit. Just like the pillar of fire, that led Israel from bondage into the promised land. A pillar of fire manifested here to initiate a new beginning from dead religious structures into the powerful life of the Spirit. Each believer received an overpowering flame of fire, signified by the shaft of light that engulfed or overhung them. It was as though each one received his own personal pillar of fire that would empower them to lead them throughout life. This is personal. Yes, we're part of a corporate body, but it's personal, too. It's like Jesus says, we, we say in Sunday school, Jesus loves everybody. Well, that's nice, everybody. We just, it's just a flippant saying, but he loves everybody. It's personal. It's corporate. We can't mix those up. I love this equipped word, too. There are two Greek words used here for filled. In verse 2, um, it is the word paleru, like pokeru, uh, which means filled inwardly. And in verse 4, it's pletho, which means filled outwardly or furnished and equipped. This was the anointing of the Holy Spirit for ministry. Those that are serving and doing things, uh, I don't like to use the word for God, but it's, it's a legit term. We there are things that we do for God, not in order to get him to like us or for us to get, you know, get in favor with him, but it's the response uh, of giving back and, and just, th this is the gift I have, the abundance, and it overflows for others, for God. It's never self-seeking. This is what was hitting. 
when God does the inspiring, whatever's being doled out is going to be successful. I remember there was a concern in the early church that Jewish leaders were going to try and, well, they did. They tried to take out the church and leaders. And, and one wise leader, rabbi, said, you know what? If this is of God, nothing can stop it. But if it isn't, it'll fit us out. Let's not fight this. Very interesting. But they were equipped. This was the empowering. This was a manifestation that was non-deniable. Everyone could see it. Everyone heard it. Now, at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people, which implies ladies and gentlemen, because this is about men and women, of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, Aren't these Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? This is a concept they couldn't understand. This means that noise was not just loud for those in the room. Okay? It was so loud, people came rushing from around to hear what the heck happened. It's like we had a house explode in Kitchener a year ago. Well, people came running because they heard the noise. They saw the debris because it, it just ricocheted through other homes, the, the vibration, the sound. <laughs> this would be freaky. And it was not... You've got to hear this part. This is really important. Because in, in the church world, there are groups of people who like to get God to do stuff now. As in, let's get together. Let's, let's pray for a miracle. And that's great, but I'm, talking, I'm, I'm focusing on the negative perspective on that, not the positive one. There's, a, there's room for that. But they're trying to manifest an experience. They didn't have any experience with that. That had never happened before. Denominations haven't started yet. <laughs> and suddenly, God did the work. Not man-made. Nobody could take credit. They can't say, well, the three of us are praying earlier. <laughs> That's why it happened. Do Christians do that? Well, I prayed for that. God answered my prayer. It was me. I get credit. Ugh. Okay. This next part's going to be really neat because if you don't understand the culture of Jerusalem, you're going to get a taste right now for something you did not know. We are Northeastern Iranians. Northwestern Iranians, Elamites, which are from southern Iraq, and those from Mestopania, which includes Syria, Judea, east-central Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, or Orientals, north-central Turkey, southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans, who are neighbors of Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. How's that for a multicultural city? This is a diverse community. Now, this translation, the Passion Translation, um, clarifies the place where these places are, because otherwise we just read these, oh, those are just ancient cities, where are they? We don't know. Well, now you know. These are real places. They're all there. 
And something happened. They all showed up and they all heard their own language. <laughs> Yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialects. Okay, this is where I got goosebumps yesterday. Dialects. <laughs> this instant could be the universal remedy for the curse of the Tower of Babel. Where human beings were divided by languages, now in Christ the language of the Spirit unifies us all in Him. Oh, timber be shimbers. <laughs> That's really cool. Just think about that. There's lots of analogies throughout scriptures, lots of pointing back, taking the curse, restoring it, healing it, because Jesus is into restoration, reconciliation. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that was just a cool sidetrack. That one's for free. They all stood there, dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, what is this phenomena? Now, when I read that part that said, aren't these guys Galilean? <laughs> if you knew what Galileans were, they were simple folk, you know, fishermen, backwoods, hillbilly, you know, not too smart, Bubba Gump, you know. Like, all that fits in. They were not respected. And here, these uneducated Galileans are speaking my language and speaking truth from God? That's stunning. I've been in churches where I hear people speaking in tongues. And in fact, the one church I was at, I won't say where, <laughs> every Sunday, same two people, always saying their thing. And then you got to have an interpreter, same person, my people, my people. It, it drove me nuts. And I confronted the pastor about it. He never gave me a direct answer, ever. He couldn't. Yeah, I've heard, you know, people told me, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you know what? God does more things than, than you can see and understand. <sighs> and then there was a, another individual who came and spoke in his native language at the same time. The interpretation was nothing like what he said. He just quoted John 3, 16 and 17 in his native language. The interpretation was nuts. Hmm. Hmm. We've had people give a word of tongues here at Hope Fellowship, which is wonderful. There was no interpretation. Nobody continued. It's fine. There's room for this. This is something this group is not used to. There are many here who are and have been exposed to it. It's a God thing. When you try to hijack it as a human... It's a man-made thing, and it has no power. Test the spirits. Hmm. I know of missionaries that have gone to certain countries, especially in Asia, the Philippines particularly. One person was having a conversation with a guy at a coffee shop, sharing the life of Jesus with this man. They had a normal conversation, English. Turns out the guy he spoke to didn't speak English at all. 
Was tongues going on in a different kind of way? Yep. So let's not put tongues into a box and say yes or no. I've had my own personal experiences of praying in what I believed was an authentic experience of tongues or <sighs> dialect, chatter, who knows. There's room for that. Don't mock people for it. I did. I started to make fun of it and realized, nope, it's made up because I, my lens saw stuff made up. Therefore, it's all made up. Not true. What God's going to do, he's going to do. And are you okay with that? Are you okay with him using you? Huh. That's a good question. That reveals our trust in him. He took over. And this reached all kinds of people. And then you have the naysayers. Oh, wait, that was me at one point. <laughs> but others poked fun at them and said, they're just drunk on new wine. Heckle, heckle, heckle. You always have hecklers, right? Welcome to Facebook. Hackle, hackle, hackle. Somebody to make fun or question it. Second guess it. Because you need the critics, right? Well, here's what happened. Peter stood up with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd. The 11 apostles stood together. They were unified as one body declaring what he was about to say. They were actual, literal witnesses of the resurrection. They stood unified. You remember they took off, right? They're like little chickens. Gone. Afraid. But the boldness that hits now? Something has happened. Something is different than before the cross. And this guy here, Mr. Peter, Mr. Big Mouth Brawler, slicing dice, trying to take an ear off a guy, and you name it, he speaks? Nowhere do we see in Scripture he had the gift of eloquent speaking or talking to crowds. Not a chance. He had the emboldened power of God in him by the Holy Spirit to now declare these things. To all these people, how are you in front of crowds? Like really large crowds. Remember, later on we're going to see almost 3,000 were added to that day. 3,000. There must have been a lot more if 3,000 were converted. That's a big group of people to have to speak in front of. I think, you know, we'd start to stutter and be all afraid. This is evidence of the empowerment of God. If God's going to use you, he'll empower you at the moment. He doesn't give you power in advance. I wish he did, because I really like that. You know, He doesn't give you the gift of wisdom in advance necessarily. He gives it to you when you need it, if you need it, if you need it. We like to control things, don't we? This is about surrendering all control. Listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it is only 9 o'clock in the morning. Critic. Can you hear a critic? I can hear a critic. I don't people that drink that early. <sighs> really? Pause or block. You know. <laughs> this is about the third hour. Time for the Jewish morning prayers. 
This was a time they all were out doing their prayer. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. So now Peter begins with a story. He declares, listen, people, and he starts to give some history. The point of his talk is coming in a bit. But he's laying it out for all the people out there from all kinds of lands, all the cultures that are represented there. And he says this from Joel. This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on some believers who pray the right prayer. Is that what it says? No. I will pour my spirit on everybody and cause, cause your sons and daughters to prophesy and your young men will see visions. Listen, this sons and daughters is critical. The patriarchal culture of the Old Testament did not encourage women or give them equal status. Jesus was the first women liberator. He liberated them. He went to them first when he rose from the dead, not the priests. You're going to see the full inclusion here. If you have a mindset of exclusion, that's darkness in your mind not seeing something. That's all it is. It is incorrect or incomplete. Your young men will see visions. This word visions, it doesn't mean... I have a sight for that idea. Oh, I can see this happening there. No, this particular word is an insight, the opening of the eyes into the spiritual realm. Angelic beings, perhaps. Something that's metaphysical. Something scientific. Opening the eyes. This, this is big. And your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire and pillars of clouds will appear. For the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before the great and awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's likely that this prophecy, a lot of it had already happened with Christ coming and the sky turning dark and you name it. Some of that has probably already happened. Good likelihood. But this is the text that Peter quotes, directed by the Holy Spirit. Peter continued, People of Israel, listen to the facts. Jesus, the victorious, was a man on a divine mission whose authority was clearly proven. For you know how God performed many powerful miracles, signs, and wonders through him. Let's go back to the facts for just a minute. He begins his sermon recounting the Jewish history. But then again, now he recognizes and realizes Jesus being the one who has the authority. Okay, he's doing a huge comparison here. Now here's a, a trick you may not realize. Uh, we've talked about this before, but sometimes we say Jesus did all, all sorts of miracles. What if that's not true? What if Jesus didn't do any miracles at all? The evidence, I think, is worth exploring right here. For you know how God performed 
many powerful miracles and signs and wonders through him. Here's what I want you to get from that. That's how Jesus wants to live through you. Jesus wants to live his life through you, as you, in oneness. He does the work. The source is Jesus. And Jesus, being fully God, fully human, he chose not to live out of his divinity. He lived out of his humanity, causing him to have to depend on his Father, moment by moment, instant by instant, for any direction or revelation. Yep, instant by instant. This gives us some hope. <laughs> A lot of hope. The man's, this man's destiny was prearranged for God knew that Jesus would be handed over to you to be crucified and that you would execute him on a cross by the hands of lawless men. How many times have we been taught that God killed Jesus? God did not kill Jesus. Man killed Jesus. Knowing full well what's about to happen, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit submitted themselves to this torture chamber and allowed Jesus to be murdered. The Trinity submitted. What a lesson for us to submit to one another. This is an image we need to hang on to. I'm, I'm going to stop here because... Yeah, uh, yeah, lots of great stuff coming. I find it exciting to see how the church began and how different it is today. Maybe there's some elements we can revisit, some foundations we need to re-explore and go, huh, what can I personally learn about this? I have been empowered. You have been empowered. Now discover that power. Wake up to the truth in you and look at what happens. It's amazing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, reveal your power in us. Amen.